welcome to Dataversity Talks, a podcast where we discuss with industry leaders and experts how they have built their careers around data. I'm your host, Shannon Kemp, and today we're talking to the co-founders of Moxie Analytics, Laura Madsen, CEO, and Serena Roberts, COO. Visit dataversity.net and expand your knowledge with thousands of articles and blogs written by industry experts, plus free live and on-demand webinars covering the complete data management spectrum. While you're there, subscribe to the weekly newsletter so you'll never miss a beat. Hello and welcome. My name is Shannon Kemp and I'm the Chief Digital Officer at Dataversity and this is My Career in Data, a Dataversity Talks podcast dedicated to learning from those who have careers in data management, to understand how they got there and to be talking with people who can help make those careers a little bit easier. To help keep up to date in the latest data management education, go to dataversity.net forward slash subscribe. And today we are joined by two fabulous people in data, the co-founders of Moxie Analytics, Laura Madsen at CEO and Serena Roberts, COO, or as appropriately renamed, the Chief Get Shit Done Officer, which I love. We'll get to that in a minute here. And normally, this is where a podcast host would read a short bio of the guest, but in this podcast, your bio is what we're here to talk about. Laura and Serena, hello and welcome. Hello. Thanks for having us, Shannon. We're excited to be here. Awesome. I'm so glad you two are here. And I asked you to be here together as the co-founders of Moxie Analytics. So tell me, uh, tell me more about Moxie Analytics. What is the company and how did it come to be? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, Serena and I probably should have practiced who said what, but um, I'll kick off because um, I, I think we both sort of agree, at least in the origin story um, at the at the uh, beginning level, which is I quit my corporate gig at the end of 2018, um, having no real plan, um, which, you know, tips for better living don't do that. Um, I'd been in data for a really long time at that point, had a really large network, figured I'd find a project here and there sort of started um, in earnest doing some data project work and then realized, wait a second, I could probably like actually do this for a living. Um, and then started thinking about doing it on my own, which didn't sound as much fun. Um, and really the only person that I knew in my network that felt like the right fit for me um, was Serena. And so I started, I started pinging her, asking nicely. <laughs> <laughs> if if she would if she would quit her corporate you know cushy corporate gig and and join me in this um, ridiculous adventure, so what would you add, Serena? Well, that's a pretty pretty good overview of our origin story. But I think to just touch on like what Moxie Analytics is for people that might not know, we are a data and analytics consulting firm. Um, we do a little bit of everything. Uh, we find ourselves doing a lot of data literacy, data governance to Laura's chagrin. <laughs> I don't know why she wrote a book on a subject that she hates. Now she's going to spend the rest of her life not trying not to do data governance work, which is the thing that she's best known for. Um, but really, it's about like everything that we do falls under this umbrella of uh, enabling a data culture, right? Like, why do people build dashboards? Why do people govern their data? Why do they have self-service 
um, you know, efforts, you know, why do they do data science and like, why do they do all these things, right? They do this because they want their cultures to be focused around data and how they can use that to, to make better decisions and, you know, drive better business outcomes. So yeah, we're a consulting firm. We do stuff for money. I love it. So it's uh, very fascinating start there. Um, so what is it you do specifically? What is the most common thing you do for your clients and how uh, do you uh, work with data in your current jobs? I'll take it on first, Laura, and you can we can round it out. So we do we do things like build dashboards for people or do proofs of concepts um, if they're thinking about you know some kind of uh, data visualization tool or even like a data catalog or things of that nature. Um, we have done a, a number of projects recently that are more around like kickstarting data governance initiatives and data literacy initiatives. And when I say data literacy, I mean applied data literacy and the difference between applied data literacy and just like regular data literacy is that there truly is an app like an immediate application for what you what you learn so the 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 learning objectives for these data literacy programs are how to use that company's tools to use that company's to, to access that company's data to solve that company's problem um, and then Oftentimes when we hear from organizations who are interested in data literacy, data governance it just like comes right along in, in tow, right? Because you don't want to have a bunch of people using your data without any kind of like guidelines or, you know, safety rules in, in place. Um, so those two projects um, oftentimes like they overlap and there's a lot of inter interchangeability. So, and it's also the space that Laura and I get to work together on projects in otherwise we're usually kind of off doing our our own things so um i don't know what what did i forget laura um i i tend to focus a lot on data strategy um i call myself a fractional cdo or chief data officer uh, so i support a lot of chief data officers uh, either because they just started at their job and they need a little support as they get going or there are specific functions that they need support on, like data governance. Um, so I do a lot of data strategy, a lot of support of chief data officers. And then of course, as we all probably know at this point, um, fair amount of data governance work, um, despite my love-hate relationship with it. So <laughs> we'll come back to that in, for, in a little bit. So uh, <laughs> tell me, so when you were very young in elementary school you know is this what you dreamed of being when you grew up i'm going to go into and i'm going to start a company on and help people with their data problems <laughs> um okay so i'll start so i will tell you and my dad would probably tell you that i by the time i was nine years old started like three companies um mm. i had a babysitting company i yeah. had a um a sandblasting company where I would sandblast designs on things for people. Um, and then over the years, right, just had a million ideas for businesses. So the business side for me was always the thing. Um, some of it may have been my overwhelming need to get out of my small town. 
because um, I was a runner. Um, I wasn't going to stay. Um, so it was really for me always about business. Was it always about data? It was not, although a college professor will tell you that that is clearly how I thought. Like everything, and even now, I, I pretty much make every decision in the context of some kind of matrix. <laughs> so it, it's just, it was always kind of there as a latent thing, but um, from a business perspective, sure, I always wanted to be a business owner and be the boss, so to speak. So I like it. Serena, what about you? Um, I'd have to say there's probably a lot of parallels between Laura and I on that front where like, but I will say I literally did not know that there like that business intelligence that like data and analytics like was a thing until I was like legitimately mm, 24 ish 25 years old right. Um, so, you know, did I want to work with data when I was a kid? Oh my God, no, I, no, that would be, I think, abnormal. Um, I wanted to figure out ways to just not work at all, <laughs> which isn't not what I'm doing right now. Um, but yes, I have always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I have always had that sort of take charge, leadership, just ask my younger, um, my siblings who are both younger and older than me, but wherever you fell in that spectrum, like I was the boss, unfortunately for them. Um, I did, my formal education is actually in entrepreneurship. So my, my degree is in entrepreneurship. So I knew that that was, that was a thing that, you know, it was a, it was a passion. It was kind of, where where my life was going to lead me at some point and it you know i think for a lot of people who are in you know certain levels of privileged positions you do get to a point where you're just sick of all of the bullshit and then you're like i'm like screw that i'm just gonna go try my own thing i'm gonna just see what happens here and um then to back to our origin story, I literally had a conversation with my husband. So I was, this was my the gig that I was in before I, I left my, my corporate gig. And my husband said to me, he's like, you know, I knew you were kind of a B word. I don't say that, but he's like, I knew you were kind of a B word when I married you, but this is some next level stuff. Like you need to quit your job, woman. Like you're just unbearable. And it was, it was the truth. Like I was not being good to anyone, <laughs> myself included. And, and as like, a, you know, part of that conversation was just like, well, I can't quit my job. Like we have health insurance through me. Like I make more money than you do. Like, how are we going to live? How is this going to work? And um, we just were like, well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Well, we could, we could have to sell everything that we own and live in an RV. And then there was this moment where we were both kind of like, that actually doesn't sound that bad so it might actually still do that even if this thing works out so anyway all that to say i did not know that this is exactly where i would end up but i feel like gosh darn it it's the right place to be oh, i love it <laughs> I can relate to what a lot of uh, a lot of what both of you are saying very much so. Um, 
So, but tell me, uh, so how did you get from this entrepreneurial uh, passion into data? So how, what led you to a path of data management? You can go first, Laura. <laughs> well, mine's, mine's actually a really straight path, to be honest with you. And when I talk with other people that are in data, you know, for a really long time, we had no programs that did anything to do with data, right? Um, and so for most part, the people that I worked with, people that I worked for over the years um, had no background in data. And, and so um, I um, was a little bit different. So I went to school initially for uh, fashion merchandising, which if you knew me at all would make you wonder what I was thinking because I can barely match my own outfits, which is why I wear black a lot. Um, so, you know, there was just a different time in my life where I thought, ooh, fun. Um, and that didn't last real long. And so I had to pick a major and the major I picked uh, was strictly because I was going into a new college and they needed a major on record because I was a junior and I just picked the hardest final I ever had, which was psychology. Um, and so I was like, oh, well, I can switch at any time, right? And I ended up getting a bachelor's degree in psychology. And the unfortunate thing about a bachelor's degree in psychology is it's 100% useless. <laughs> um, and I am, and particularly when I was in my 20s, I'm not a very empathetic person. Um, I had zero ability to be a therapist. <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, I practically flunked that therapy class because everybody that takes psychology as a program has to take that class. And yeah, they pulled me aside and said, boy, please don't do this. You'd set the industry back many, many decades if you became a therapist. So, um, I didn't know what to do with a psychology degree. Um, I had a really brief stint in the army because I thought, well, they'll take me. Wow, <laughs> so they, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. Um, they, they took me long enough to realize, nope, we don't want her. And I ended up in a what's called applied psychology, which is actually an applied analytics degree that use that from a social sciences perspective uses applied data and statistical methods to control for error. And the easiest way to think about that is like surveys, right? Um, so I spent two years learning about statistical methods that control for error. And my first job was at a psychiatric hospital. And my family's still convinced that um, I didn't work there. I was actually an inmate. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> um, um, inpatient. Um, wonderful services, by the way, and very important for our, particularly for our healthcare programs in the United States. Um, but I ended up working at a psychiatric hospital and really uh, helped them bring along their data program. And the crazy thing about it, which I did not know I was doing at the time, I was creating a data warehouse. So we had a method of inputting all of the intake assessments that all of our uh, patients took. And uh, I was responsible for putting all that data into tables um, and analyzing all that data. And so that was my first professional job and I've been doing it ever since. And that was, that was 1999. Wow. Wow, I love it. So, and Serena, what about you? What brought you to, uh, to data? Um, well, first I have to say, Laura, I know you glossed over a couple other careers journeys in there that, but we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> um, mine was, was definitely like, I just kind of fell into this world without even trying. So I, um, I had my first child when I was 19 and, uh, so, and I also have a sister who is 
younger than I am. And she, when I moved out, she moved with me. So I had my, my son, my young son, and my sister, who I was mostly responsible for. Uh, and I, I grew up in a small town also. And I was also a runner. I was like, I need to get out of here. Uh, it was North Branch, Minnesota. Like, it's not like crazy far, but it was like 1,100 people um, when I graduated from there. So I, I got out of there as soon as I could. I um, moved from North Branch to Lakeville, Minnesota, because that felt like a huge dis distance to me back then, right? <laughs> and I literally was just like, I need a job. I need a JLB. I need to support these people. And I um, wound up finding a role in like sales and marketing, just kind of doing whatever needed to be done for a, uh, a BI consulting firm that was still, uh, you know, relatively in their startup phase. I think I was employee number 18 or something like that. And it literally wasn't until that day that I knew that this field even existed, that you could make, you know, good money doing this kind of work. Um, so I started out in sales and marketing um, in that role. And, and also just like I said, like when you are employee number 18, you do like whatever needs to be done. So then it was like, okay, well now I'm writing statements of work and now I'm trying to, you know, help um, figure out who are the right people to be on these projects. And like, I'm learning more about, you know, what it takes to deliver this kind of work. Um, and so I just kind of like was able to slide into the delivery side of, you know, data and analytics work and I started teaching um, uh, how to use some of these programs and it was just really, it was just fascinating. And as the tools got easier to use um, and I became more technically proficient and, and all of those things and, you know, people always say that, you know, if you, if you, you can learn the technical stuff. It's so much harder to learn how to deal with people and like you know, maintain relationships and, and those. So I've always been able to check that that second box, right? Like that has come pretty easy to me doing the sales and doing doing the marketing and, you know, that relationship sort of selling and that kind of thing. Um, so but and I was able to just learn all the technical stuff. And so I, I came out of that um, that 10 year stint at that one consulting firm um, with with both of those those skill sets and bonus, a, you know, a relationship with with Laura Manson because that's how how we met each other. That's how we first um, got in contact. So definitely um, not a linear path um, into this into this field, but um, you know, come to find out, that's really probably more the norm, more the rule than the exceptions. That people just kind of found their here and it's so, so much a part of our world data you know so much a part of everything that we do um, i just i think it's going to be hard to escape it at some point everyone will work with data in some capacity i don't disagree with that um and, and yeah, I certainly don't disagree that there have there are very few linear paths that I've seen or encountered, which is part of why we're doing this podcast, right? Is just to figure yeah. out uh, figure out what those paths are, what were some best practices, and along the way. But um, so so there's a few things that I would want to dive into. 
but let me get into what is your current definition of data and how do you work with it in the roles that you're currently doing? Yeah, I saw that question and I was like, what kind of question is that? <laughs> um, but, you know, honestly, I feel like data is like everything and nothing at the same time, right? I mean, everything, almost everything that we do creates data. We are processing data all the time in our brain as you know, our, our human brains are doing. But so it's, so it's everything in a certain sense, uh, but it's also nothing if you can't turn it into information, right? If you don't have the ability to whether through your brain, like this car is coming at me, which means I should get out of the way, or you know, you're aggregating millions of rows of data to try to tell you what your next quarter is going to look like. Um, so that in that sense, it's also nothing, right? That you know, if you don't, if you're not able to to translate that into information, and um, you know, obviously, what we do with it today is help people, help people, help more people be able to take the data around them and turn it into useful information and be able to use it in you know safe and meaningful and and, and timely timely manners. Laura, anything to add to that? It's really good. I mean, I, I agree that data is everything and nothing, right? I have a strong affinity for data um, and, you know, found my home really early on, right? Once I realized that this is how I thought. Um, so the, the idea of like always bringing in data and, and consuming it in, in a myriad of ways is just how I kind of operate as an individual. Um, and probably one of my biggest like the thing that I love to do with clients is to help, you know, take that chaos and turning it into something that feels like it's, you know, just, just a little chaotic, right? I mean, I love the mess. So that's part of the like, you know, quirky personality, but I love the mess and I love the data. And I just like, I live in that chaos, but I recognize that most people don't, they don't want to live there. They don't really like it. They prefer to visit, you know? Um, so to me, it's like, yeah, particularly in a modern age, you know, I've been at this for 20 some years now. So when I started, your data came in an inner office envelope, <laughs> right? Um, and now we're all producing, you know, millions of rows of data every day just existing. And so, um, you know, that ride has been really fun and, and cool and I've enjoyed it. Um, but it, for me, it really is, realizing that because I'm so keen on that part, I can help the people that aren't, and then kind of figuring out how to take advantage of all of that and just live just slightly outside of that chaos so that you really can build towards insights um, and, and at some point maybe even get some foresight. So with your definition of data, does it sound like even though, uh, so Lori, you took a more linear path, Serena, maybe not so linear to working with data. Um, I think the commonality there and what I'm finding with almost everybody is that it was your passion. You just followed your passion really is what you did. Um, passion for for wanting to build and start a business and, and be involved in that, um, uh, you know, at the heart of it. Um, but it sounds like you 
develop passions in different areas and how do you complement each other in in working because and and i'm i'm fascinated too laura that it, that you don't like or you have a love-hate relationship with governance so <laughs> i'd like to hear a little bit more about that so how do you divide up the work and and where is that specific passion because data is management is such a broad topic right there's so many different areas so what are your passions and how how do you split that up and 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 maximize those passions sure yeah um so i i think we actually have a pretty nice um we operate in very distinct uh, capabilities and then there's a few spots where we overlap as serena had said earlier um because i've existed in data for a really long time, right? That strategy and the governance and the management. I've I've led a lot of data warehouse teams, um, so that is definitely where I live and breathe in those sort of, uh, you know, more data management functions and then the data leadership areas. Um, and that's just because that's where I've always been, right? Um, and I think Serena, you know, just doesn't exist in those spaces except where we you know overlap so that's really the nice um i'm not being very articulate about this but um yeah i i i, I don't know serena why don't you take a stab at, at sure. answering that question um i actually like i have an answer but it's not coming out right yeah. so we're just gonna yeah, like skip this and move forward <laughs> <laughs> well, Shannon, I think I think there was like three questions in your question. Yes. <laughs> um, so first of all, like I like passion came later, and I, I mean, I followed the money straight up. I needed to, I needed the money. I needed a job that was going to, you know, su support me and my my dependents. Um, and when I think about the like the passion that actually led me here with Laura right now, that was more passion for wanting to be the best version of like the sum of all of my parts, right? I did not, I no longer wanted to accept the fact that I had to compartmentalize Serena as you know, the data and analytics professional, Serena as the wife, Serena as the mother, Serena as the sister, as the whatever, right? Because we all operate, especially, you know, women, let's be honest, right? Like as far as like d domestic responsibilities go, we generally take the lion's share of that. And we are more social creatures. We're like more responsible for the relationships that our family as a collective has with other families. And so I just felt like I was done compartmentalizing those things and always feeling like if I had to want, if I wanted to succeed at one, that I had to give, I had to suck a little bit more at the others. And um, so my passion was that, you know, that led me really where we are right now was, was trying to buck that, that norm, trying to challenge that status quo, not just for myself, but for other women who I know felt the same and were in similar situations. Um, so I just wanted to call that out on like, I mean, what passions, what passions actually led me here, right? It, there's never really been a passion for, I mean, the, the, the work is fun and it's cool and it's interesting, but if I'm being honest, those aren't the things that fill my cup every single day, right? So now 
if I can address like the synergies between, between Laura and myself. Um, synergy is like the best word to describe it. We are like the physical repre representation of the ying and the yang. I feel like I should actually be wearing a white shirt right now. Um, just to just to prove that point because Laura is always wearing black and I am sometimes but usually not wearing black. Uh, you know, she loves to not be around people and I usually enjoy that. <laughs> and so there are like just from the perspective of who we are as people, we are very different, but we share some really fundamental core values. And that that is our foundation and that is our our mission and that's our you know our true north or whatever people are calling that these days where we can always come back in in service and in alignment on those things and as far as the work goes you know i think i alluded to this a little bit earlier where um the they're like you can't have a data literacy program without data governance i mean you just can't, or please don't like a big of you please don't um and if you are putting all of that effort in into your data governance and data management efforts then like why aren't you like you should probably have more people using that <laughs> that's kind of a waste so again it's like it's such a synergistic thing you know while laura's never going to be involved on a, um you know building a tablet dashboard or something along those lines and I'm not going to be writing books about data governance or uh, advising chief data officers on what their data strategies are going to be we do operate in very different spaces in a lot of respects. Um, but synergy is really just the, be the best way to describe uh, how we work together and how we just gel together as as human beings. Love it. Laura, anything you want to add now that you've had a moment to process? That? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, it's just funny to me because it's so rare that, you know, I like I talk about myself, right? I'm always talking about the topics. I'm always talking about data and what you should or should not be doing or, you know, that kind of a thing that um, it's really rare that I talk about, you know, how I got here, how I think about things. Um, you know, what Serena and I do on a day-to-day. -day. So um, it's funny that I tend to not, you know, like, this is where I get stuck. It's like tripping over the stuff that I probably know the best, but just don't have the practice of talking about, you know, where we got, how we got here. Um, <clears throat> I will say that, you know, what an, an incredible privilege in so many ways, right? So I'm really fortunate that I have, I've been, I just in general, I'm very fortunate. And so privilege is always in the back of my head. Like I've, I've had an opportunity because I live in a privileged space to be able to start a company. And, you know, my um, husband carries the insurance and all those other things, right? But I also feel an enormous amount of privilege in finding Serena as the yin to my yang or the yang to my yang, right? Because the reality is if it, you know, if it weren't for her sort of holding me down, um, as, as they say, um, I, I I would, you know, just never be able to be very successful. And the reality is I would have ruled the world by now if it wasn't for my crippling anxiety. So, you know, I need that person that can help me through some of that. And she is, she is that person. So, you know, I'm just really fortunate to be able to live in that space. Um, 
And then I think you asked about data governance and how in the world I ended up hating data governance, but being like doing data governance. <laughs> so um, that that is a funny story. Um, but so I, I started when I left my corporate gig in 2018. Um, I did sort of a you know data like an assessment of the data landscape. And at that point, I had been in corporate gigs for a while. I led these functions and I just, I hadn't really like, what is everybody talking about? And through that process, um, identified the data governance really had not been conceptually updated since the late nineties and had been identified as like the reason why everybody was tripping all over themselves. Like, oh gosh, it's data governance. We data governance. And um, <clears throat> I used to joke, if it's not true anymore, but that when I Googled it at that point, the definition of data governance was like two paragraphs long. It was almost a page long. Um, and it's how, and I knew in that moment, it was like those, one of those Disney moments, right? Where it's like everything sort of coalesced and the sky opened up and it was like, oh crap, I got to write a book about data governance because we suck at this friends. I mean, we're just doing this all wrong. And um, in the, like the very first sentence I write in that book is like, I really hate data governance. And, and I hate it because we just keep getting in our own way. You know, I, I'm very passionate about data and what it can do for organizations, but my gosh, we just, the, the, all the things that we do to get in our own way from, you know, preventing ourselves from using the data and finding the insights and the foresights um, for the data is, it, 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 that, that list is super, super long, but for whatever reason, that day I picked data governance. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> here we are. More and more companies are considering investing in data literacy education, but still have questions about its value, purpose, and how to get the ball rolling. Introducing the newest monthly webinar series from Dataversity, Elevating Enterprise Data Literacy, where we discuss the landscape of data literacy and answer your burning questions. Learn more about this new series and register for free at dataversity.net. I, I love it. Well, you know, I, I kudos to both of you for finding that synergy for, you know, I, it, my own philosophy of business. So many leaders build teams that look exactly like themselves and, and how do you and I think some of the biggest challenges is finding you know and accepting people who who do balance out our weaknesses there's so many you know leadership um, books and such that say that we should play to our strengths and you know leaders good leaders always you know are always conscious of what they're good at and I would argue with that I would argue that really good leaders Yes, know their strengths, but that's easy to know. Our egos, just as human beings, allow us to know what we're good at. Um, but you know, it's finding those weaknesses and filling those. You know, I think that's the biggest strength that good leaders have, and and kudos to you for for finding that and being open about that. And and I really love that synergy that you guys have and have built on. So. Um, so with that, you know, in your careers, and do you see uh, do you see the importance of data management uh, and the number of jobs working with data increasing or decreasing over the next ten years, and why? Um, I obviously I think it's going to increase, right? I just think that you know, there's 
there is never going to be less data. There's never going to be less of it. Um, and there, so it, you know, the complexity is, will always be there. The amount of it will always be there. And with that comes the problem of if you don't manage your data, then you're not, you shouldn't have any expectations that you're going to get any value out of it, right? So yeah, I don't see that going anywhere, but any young people that I talk to now, um, yeah, my advice is usually like find a career in data, like go. There's so many different things that you can do, whether it is data management, data engineering, data visualization, data literacy, like there's so many things that you can do. Just like get on that bandwagon. It's not going away. It's just going to transform and morph, you know, right with the, you know, the artificial intelligence and the machine learning initiatives and all of the, like the moral and ethical dilemmas and applications of, of that. You know, so there are certainly more forefront areas um, of the data and analytics landscape that you can be on. I just think like the table stakes of, of, of that work are going to be there in spades. The biggest thing we'll see is right when data, when data first started, when it became a thing that organizations, and we're still dealing with this because we're sort of at that place in terms of um, our life cycle where we haven't figured out where data belongs organizationally, but it, it's like a department, right? Data is a department. And we've always put data as a department under IT because that's where all the specialists hung out, right? It's where you find your flock, right? All the crazies down, you know, I joke all the time, especially in healthcare, you put IT in the basement and usually data people right next to the morgue because that's where they cool things, including your data center. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like that, that is shifting over time. Um, you know, we have people coming out of college that is that they're, they're used to living and breathing in technology. It's just part and parcel to their day. So we're going to see, I think, a lot um, less of those sort of centralized functions and, and IT as a function will become a lot more federated, living out into your organization rather than centralized. And I think over time, data will follow that uh, pattern as well, because everybody knows about data, right? You have podcasters at 12 years old looking at their trends and looking at their data and they're, you know, figuring out, well, you know, when I said this, this happened. So I got to say more of that or, you know, clickbait stuff, right? But it's data at the end of the day. And so I just think it's become so much more ubiquitous that over time, that model of, you know, centralized data team in an organization will become less and less valuable and we'll see it become, you know, a little bit more ubiquitous. And then the challenges are different, right? Where it increases our ability to actually have touch points um, where we're making sure that we're doing all the right things in a standardized way, even though it's kind of everywhere. And you already see those pain points now in a lot of organizations, but we keep trying to shove it under, well, it's, it belongs here. Okay, you know, so I, I, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to get spread around like peanut butter. Peanut butter. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, and, and what would you, advice would you give then to people looking in, to get into data, whether in a specific role or, or in general? My advice, um, I mean, it really depends because there are so many different areas of data that you can work, work in. Um, you know, and I, I would say you kind of have to take a baseline of what you know already, right? For people that are more creative, more um, 
people focused, you know, better at those relationships, you know, finding, you know, getting themselves prepared for roles, like being those translators between, you know, business and, and, and IT, being able to gather those requirements and, and all that good stuff. Um, uh, being able to develop data visualizations, um, business analyst kind of roles where you're, you're able to, um, you, know, consu- you know, consume that data, coalesce that data, and then like feed it back to someone who doesn't know, you know, anything about it and just like human to human. If that's more, you know, someone's strength, then I would you know, tell them to prepare, prepare themselves for those type of, type of roles and the, um, you know, the, I think the barriers to those kinds of roles are probably lower as well. I mean, there's so much free training out there on Tableau, Power BI, Excel, all of those end user tools that people use to actually interact with the data. There is just tons and tons of training out there, either free or cheap, or, you know, even if you wanted to go like full-fledged boot camp kind of thing, like it's not something that you need to put your entire life on hold and mortgage your house to attend. Um, and then there's, you know, the, the, the more technical roles, you know, maybe you need to, you know, have a really deep understanding of SQL, um, you know, the data engineering piece of it, maybe there's, you know, more of that like strategic side of things data quality, data management, like there's so many different areas. So I first try to help people figure out what, what, like, what is a general direction that feels like is best aligned with that person's strengths. But beyond that, I do think that, that your first stop should be trying to find a shortcut between where you are, you know, your point A and your point B that doesn't involve a four-year degree. Right. Um, you know, look for for the boot camps and look for um, mentors. A lot of these things, like you can actually build a portfolio. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what certifications you have, what um, you know, what your diploma says. It matters what you can do. So you build that digital portfolio, and that becomes your proof of here's what I can actually do. Here's what I can actually build. Here's what I'm capable of. And you know, as an employer, like that means a whole heck of a lot more to me than, you know, someone's certificate or, you know, the paper that's hanging on their wall. So that's my, like my, my, my biggest sort of general advice is like, don't feel like you have to go to a formal degree, you know, through a formal degree to enter into this space. There are many, many other ways, cheaper, shorter ways of, of doing it. Um, and ideally, like, we, there's such a great need for good people in this space. Like, we can't wait. We can't wait four years for the next, you know, cohort of great data people to come along. We like we need to we need to find a way to shortcut that. Um it's funny. I used to get this question all the time. And then as I've aged out of the <laughs> like it's like I got to the point where I like people are like, oh she's too old to like really be able to give me guidance. So um um, I haven't gotten this question in a really long time, which I, I find interesting because uh, it's one it's always been one of my areas of interest and passion. So the first thing is if data sparks joy for you for in some in some capacity, you know, 
go. Um, because like Serena said, there's a million ways you can get into this space and you don't necessarily have to be like super, super technical. I joke all the time and, and maybe it's slightly a joke, maybe it's not, I'm not a technologist, right? Most technology will break when I come into a room. It's just, that is true. oh my gosh, it's crazy, right? Um, but the reality is that I, I, you know, I was trained to bang against data and that's how I spent the first, you know, probably eight, 10 years of my career. The tipping point for me was when it, the executives realized I could talk to them in a way that they understood. And so when, when I think about guiding people, the main thing, I don't care what your degree is. I don't care if you know some, you know, multilinear regression. What I care about is that you're passionate enough to think about how to present content to your audience because it does not matter what role you have. If you're a data architect, data engineer, data visualizer, um, you know, you're the project manager for data. If you can explain that, if you can explain what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're gonna do it succinctly, you will go places. Um, because that's what we're so missing in this space is everybody can get into the gobbledygook, right? Because it's like, ooh, look how smart I am. Very few people can boil that up to, you know, the bullet points and to be able to drive that forward towards something for your organization. And that's really what we need. Um, Cause that's what you find would be really successful in your organization. I think that's why a lot of people see, you know, they bang against their heads all day trying to get, you know, some data repository up and running. And then somebody buys a piece of software, you know, brings it online, builds a beautiful dashboard and everybody thinks they're brilliant. Well, because they spoke to the audience and the use cases and what that organization needed. Um, so to me, that's really, you know, where you spend, where you spend your time, um, is figuring out how to communicate that. That's great advice from, from both of you. Um, so before we wrap it up as we're, uh, kind of running low on time here, but, uh, just want to make sure and ask and if anybody would like to solicit the services of Moxie Analytics, how would people reach out to you? How do they find you? Thanks for the plug, Shannon. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, you could go check out moxieanalytics.com, get a better idea of the services that we offer. You can find us on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I mean, we're out there. We put ourselves out there so you can find us. Indeed. And I know I met both of you and I... Um, as you presented at our Enterprise Analytics Online Conference. And Laura, you most recently presented at Enterprise Data Governance Online. So we have recordings of both of those, mm -hmm. which were fabulous. So I can attest to your uh, teaching capabilities as well <laughs> and sharing. So, well, Laura and Serena, thank you both so much for taking the time to do this and talk about your careers. It's really been insightful and valuable. So I know you both are very busy. Um, and thanks to all of our listeners out there. If you'd like to keep up to date on the latest podcast and the latest in data management education, you may go to dataversity.net forward slash subscribe. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Dataversity Talks brought to you by Dataversity. Subscribe to our newsletter for podcast updates and information about our free educational articles, blogs, and webinars at dataversity.net forward slash subscribe. Mm -hmm.